Hello and welcome to the 551 Podcast. My name is Wes Berdine and it is a packed podcast that we are here for. This, yes. uh, you know, I we've got three of us in the room. Uh, we've got Eric, Rodrigo, myself, and then Alex Schieferdecker makes a triumphant return. You're back from Portland. Welcome back. Uh, also, you're back like in our lives. You've been avoiding us. Yeah, after a long sabbatical, I'm back. How was tri- how was trivia learned, last week? I've traveled around the world. I've learned everything. Did you, you at got least win second at trivia? Place. Okay, we got second. Um, yeah. So uh, Portland, we're we're going to talk about the the game, and you can talk about the atmosphere then. But yeah, he's going to talk uh, about the uh, the parks. Yeah, how what, what did you make the of the uh, the, the, the urban planning of Portland? Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting city. Uh, the block size is amazing. That's really one of the best parts about it. Small blocks. That's the way to go. Small blocks. Like tree. Awesome. Uh, thank you, then. That's a great review. That <laughs> <laughs> goes off to all my planner friends, friends including my Small blocks. Um, yeah. Well, uh, so well, on do you want this podcast... to be like a, a, a three-hour podcast? We can do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, people are, have the time? People are here for the, for the your takes on the streetcar. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> We are on this podcast. We've got lots of like little nuggets of news, good, bads, and weirds, uh, non-categorized. But um, we've got Minnesota in Portland uh, that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about. You also went to the Thorns match, right, Alex? Yes. Yes. Great. Cool. Well, then, great. Um, so we've got that, and then uh, we've got uh, we've got some questions that include you know whether or not we should tar and feather certain players. Uh, so hmm. here's what we'll do: we will uh, we will cut to a break of big quarters, and then we'll be back, and we will start with the weird news. Back. back on the 55-1 podcast, uh, let's start with just a little bit of Minnesota. Oh, actually, house housekeeping news. Everyone should go uh, um, sign up for the 55-1 newsletter. It's on the main page. Uh, next week, there's going to be a special pre-sale code for Tottenham versus AFC Milan. I know that like most of the time, I'm not very excited about international friendlies. Tottenham is very near and dear to my heart. I'm uh, I'm very excited about this. So um, that's going to be July 31st, and we've got a presale code that we'll be sending out next week. Uh, so sign up. Boom! And if you already get the emails, you're you're in, right? Yeah, there you you're go. good. You're good. We're good then. Um, uh, Alexi Gomez, uh, nicknamed the hyena. Uh, I have nicknamed him El Pisco. Horrible name. Horrible uh, name. The the Peruvian uh, left winger fullback. He's going to be a fullback for us certainly. Uh, he signed for the team. Rodrigo, we just want to quickly get a feelings check here. <sighs> Poor guy. Oh what? You, oh, you, you finally to... get a, a fellow Peruvian. Yeah. They Amos finally listened to you. He's been texting me all week. What's Rodrigo thinking? <laughs> is Rodrigo what? What you know? Is he really excited? We he must this... have not really taken any consideration that he plays for Universidad. Fine Bally, print. So. Got you with the. That's fine the fine print. print. Uh, so he came from the team that like is is your rival. Is that... Well, okay. I maybe I'll write something up. But here's the way it breaks down in Peru. The biggest competition and the biggest history of rivalry is always between Alianza Lima and Universitario de Deportes. So my dad is an Alianza Lima fan. My brother is an Alianza Lima fan. 
my mother is a, a municipal fan. I grew up as a Sporting Cristal fan, but we always rooted against Universitario de Deportes. So one thing the family would like come around together. Come around, yeah, that's the one thing that we would do. Yeah. I mean, their rivalry is deep, deeply rooted in history, deeply rooted in, in, in sometimes um, uh, violence. And so um, so for me, it's it's I think there's a lot of people out there on Twitter who were asking me, you know, what he's another Peruvian. He's playing in the MLS. He's yeah. he's bringing Peruvian soccer to the MLS, and I'm like, so that's a fair point. But when you live, when all your life you've grown up to be able to say you're not supposed to be cheering for this, you're supposed to have this rivalry, this ingrained hatred for this one club, and then that player comes from that club. I'm torn. I mean, like, yeah. I want him to do well for the obvious because I love I love the loons, but I also at the same time. I'm not comfortable with, he, with what here's, he can here's, be. Here's what I'll tell you. Good news is, if he's good, you can be happy. He's good. He's he's great, and you can cheer for him. If he's bad, you can feel better about hating him. Turn it on. I'll just, I'll just cheer against it every time he's on. Yeah, I think okay. we'll just do it with that. So let's, um, you, you want to talk about uh, random Russia news. Uh, yes, how, how Russia, how can Russia keep on messing up? The World Cup. Oh, you so, edited it. Yeah, yeah, I did. I know. I can't. So I can't. we'll start with the the, My the kids weird. Listen to the podcast, all right? Uh, <laughs> well, now you tell me. Jeez, no, how many geez, times? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Anyways, the let's start with the weird bear news. This yes, is there's this bear that in this uh this open this, uh who's actually scheduled to be part of the World Cup open ceremony, and these past uh uh league play. He was he was pretty much being trained to like hand over the ball and jump to up. the referee. Yeah, yeah to the referee. The, so the like there's this bear, the... like this grizzly bear, right? Like from Grizzly <laughs> Adams type yeah. of bear, right? Like nature type show bear, yeah. uh, Legends of the Fall type of bear, right? Who's yeah. <laughs> there jumping up with his little soccer ball that hands it over to the and then like and he's like and then he's clapping and he's jumping yeah. and like it's all, all over the news and like people are are irate. Peter must be extremely irate. And this bear is actually scheduled to perform at the opening ceremonies of the World Cup, and I and I don't know how that's gonna work out, but it should be really interesting. And it was really weird watching a bear jumping up and down at the beginning of a game. Right. So, I mean, even if it's a trained animal, it's, it's a bizarre. wild animal with right, thousands but, of people and all these variables that cannot be controlled. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. So, well, sp- speaking <laughs> of the variables that can't be controlled, yeah, uh, good segue. that was the weird. The bad of Russia is that uh, Russian, uh, uh, you know, you've got uh, monkey chants that were directed towards French players in a, in a friendly. Yeah, in the March friendly. Yep. And then you've got like continued articles coming out about the like growing the ultras, ultras who yep. are going to lead to either probably not. I would I would think that the Russian government will do a good job of putting kibosh on actual violence, but the uh, random acts of racism, I'm sure, will be like, oh, that, that's not racist. It's just a uh, just the way we are. Yeah, and this is also happening at a time that Russia, like a few months after Russia, like exposed two people and an entire British town to a nerve gas and or like a nerve agent and has like been supporting, you know, Bashar al-Assad in Syria and still is occupying the Crimea and still is fomenting a proxy war in eastern Ukraine. And it's an interesting time. And they're still hosting the World Cup. Yep. 
It'll be good. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, gasoline's already there. Let's throw some matches on. Maybe, maybe yeah. a little bit more uh, rocket fuel and yeah. go for it. Uh, my uh, my fellow bad news because we are gonna eventually we're gonna kick it to you. You've got some news, Eric. Oh, uh, sure. The bad news is that Whitehawk FC, our uh, this this podcast favorite sixth division. Uh, English club, uh, they did not win an entire any games until New Year's Day, and then they started going on this run. It was the big great escape, and then they were just relegated, so they could not quite pull it out. So now they're down in the seventh division for next year, uh, but they'll be back. So I know everyone wanted an update on that, uh, Eric. You've got two like random Brazilian news things. Yeah, well, I'll just do a quick Goiás thing since we were talking about it. This just happened. This is like breaking news, in fact, like two hours ago. Um, so part one of this is the both the the, the Division Two B League and the Division One Serie A both started this past weekend, and Goiás, as you all know, that listen, they they're still stuck in B, almost relegated to C. In fact, this is the year. podcast that breaks Goiás That's, news, you got so it, man. people really, they really love it. like they crave it. Fast forward to it, they crave it. So anyway, they played their first game against Alagoana, which is a recently promoted team from the C League Division Three. I was not even paying attention. Uh, just you know, watching on the score on the phone because they're like, oh, cool, easy game, new promoted team. Nope, they lost. They yeah. lost to Alagoana, the the C team. So I'm like, awesome. This is this, this is the is way the season's gonna, go. gonna yeah. be. Yep, cool. Here we are. So today, like two hours ago, they finished their second leg for Copa do Brasil, which is like the big uh, national tournament yeah, it's the big cup the big cup and all all the divisions from from d4 fourth division all the way to first division with you know the big teams like corinthians flamingo <laughs> sao paulo etc etc um and so they play Avaí, which is kind of like goyas they, they've had their ups and downs sometimes b sometimes a but a much better team a much more storied team they're from florianopolis there's just they're just a better team and they shot them out. They played them at home. They, they won 4-2 on aggregate. So Goiás loses to the C team in their league play opening match. And they're moving on to the fifth round in the national tournament. And the fifth round is when that's the biggest team. Yes, sold, that's sold when all the big Serie A, the, the yeah. first division teams and, pop and, in. And whoever wins the Copa Brasil gets Libertadores. Gets a, gets a berth at the Libertadores Cup. It's true. So that, so, you know, we... That it's, is just, it's a roller coaster. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be it. Hold on. Uh, let's... Let's uh, finish the this section. Uh, the the women. Oh, Kaiser. Yeah, yeah. We can do that quickly. This this came from from Rodrigo. Actually, do you want to set it up? Um, Tribeca Films uh, Festival. Uh, there's a now a new documentary about uh, Kaiser. Carlos Enrique Japozu, also known as Carlos Kaiser. Yes, and then you can take it from there. I mean, he's just the ultimate con man of con men in in football. He he's never played a match, and yet. Made millions and millions of dollars. Played on numerous teams. Just check this out. This is 1979 to... It goes 1999 question mark because it's not even written. But he played at Puebla in Mexico. Botafogo. Flamengo. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this one. Gazalek. Ayazio. Uh, I think it's in, Fran- in um, Corsica. Yep, yep. Back to Brazil. Bangu. Fluminense. Vasco da Gama. El Paso. But he Paso, never played six for any of them? Never played. 
played. Maybe played a minute. He he made all these deals with famous players. He had his own PR team and essentially made his fake news for his brand and his personality and who he was so that people would just take him and transfer him from team to team to team. He'd pick up the paychecks. And the one time he set foot on the pitch, this was eventually, I can't remember which team, maybe it was America or Guarani. He jumped in the stands like uh, Cantona and like started fighting with people, so he, he purposely wouldn't have to play. <laughs> it's amazing. Now there's a film and a documentary yes. that's being made wow. that eventually we are all going to sit in someone's basement yeah. and watch. Yeah, so the name of the film that is out now is called Kaiser, The Greatest Footballer Never to Play Football. And by the way, Kaiser, that's a Beckenbauer reference because he does in fact look like Beckenbauer. Uh, just then I'll, I'll close out just on this, which is that... Uh, um, just this last week, uh, so a newer writer for us, uh, 55.1, Damien, he uh, writes a lot about NPSL, and he had kind of been really weird, you know, kind of curious about how FC Minneapolis, this club, uh, you know, lower division club, but like never really had a <clears throat> league, stable league. Anyway, they announced that they were going to play an international friendly against the U- Ugandan national team in Uganda. And then it got canceled and stuff. So he wrote this really long piece yeah, I gotta finish this. Uh, about basically this guy, Ian Sendy, I believe his name is, and how he's kind of a little bit of a con man. He's like ripped people off. Uh, he has like gotten kids who are like on like uh, community college uh, soccer scholarships uh, or co- some smaller co- soccer scholarships um, and convinced them to sign professional quote unquote. Uh, contracts with him so they're leaving school to do and it's just like it's a fascinating story so anyway um let's take a break and come back and do uh minnesota united fc Back on the fifty five one podcast, uh, Alex, you were just in Portland at not one but two matches. You got to see Minnesota United uh, play Portland Timbers, and then you got to see the Portland Thorns play uh, Dom Dwyer, uh, Sydney Larue uh, FC. Um, uh, so, right, that's who they played. They, yeah, or is it or and Orlando Alex, Pride and Alex Morgan? Yeah, her too, but whatever. Her her um Twitter fights with uh, Merritt Paulson aren't aren't good enough to make her make me remember who she is. So, um, uh, let's well, then why don't we start with kind of your impression? I mean the I'll, I'll lay it out actually. The game was pretty similar, but we saw Darwin Quintero uh, start as a kind of second striker um, in a four four two, and you had Miguel Ibarra on the left, which I was very excited to see. Yeah. Um, I was afraid Miguel would be sent to the bench. Uh, and then the the, the controversial thing, uh, I guess controversial, is that Mark Birch played as the left back. Um, Tyrone Mears was still not uh, fit. And so Jerome Tisson uh, moved back to the right. Um, that would prove fatal for the team. Uh, but <laughs> um, why don't you give us your impressions and then we can talk about the the, the goals and the the weird calls. and it was a it was a crazy game. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was, you couldn't ask for a more exciting or interesting game. Five goals scored. Both teams had a goal annulled due to VAR. There were some hard tackles, some controversial calls. Uh, There was 
you know, it wasn't a comeback ultimately, but there was sort of a hint of a comeback in the air and there was a great atmosphere in Portland, which, I mean, I'll just say to listeners, if, if, if you haven't yet, and I hadn't until this week, if, but, you know, go, go see a game in Portland because I have been to games at Red Bull Arena. I've been to Sporting Park. I've been, to, obviously, to the Union. Um, I've been to New England. Uh, I have never seen an atmosphere like the Portland atmosphere for soccer. And you see it on TV, and it's great and exciting, but uh, live, it was really, really amazing. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed the whole game, even though the Loons at times had some really awful moments, which we'll talk about. Uh, it was just, it was fun. And there was a good group of fans who came out as well from Minnesota who traveled um, and some people from, from the area as well. So it was really, it was, it was a blast except for the result, the, but everything else the, was great. Uh, the supporters who were up in that little section or did you have yeah. a different area? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or did yeah. they recognize you? We're like, hey, I recognize that nerdy voice. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. that's me. Oh. No, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not very famous. Oh, I knew some no, people. There was no uh, pre- no fifty five one press pass uh, that he was carrying. Yeah, around? What's wrong? I'm sorry, man. I got to work harder at at uh, pimping <laughs> you out here. Um, so uh, let's talk about the. You know, you mentioned kind of what happened in the game, but let's let's talk about it. Um, Minnesota came out and uh, looked surprisingly decent from the beginning. I mean, this is actually a very common Minnesota trait, right? First 15 minutes, they look like they're going to score 30 goals. Well, common uh, this year, but last year we were down 0-1 yeah, by the fifth true. minute, basically. That's true, that's game. true. Yeah, I, I'm I thinking of, no, the year before, the last year in NASL, all those years in NASL, it was like, oh my gosh. And then suddenly they peg us back and it's like, <laughs> oh, okay, oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, um, but then, you know, Portland, uh, oh, I'm now reading that some you guys put in your notes too. So now I'm like, wait, that's you not told my notes. Too, man. No, that's great. I just, <laughs> I just realized, I just realized that I'm like, I don't know what that note is here. This is what a um, professional podcast sounds like. You know, the, the, the first, the first goal happens, uh, in the 20th minute, um, when Alvis Powell gets a ball in our half, you know, not much going on. Birch kind of comes up and immediately pressures, but he's still pretty far away. And then, but commits because he can't like turn. He turns like basically like a an like a RV or something like that. So he's like or like a a rascal. Like he's in like he's uh he's like going around Walmart and he's got to turn into the aisle. So he's got to do like a thirty point turn. So anyway, um, and then you know Powell just kind of goes past him, and then he finds Calvo, and Calvo they're still now ten yards from the box. Calvo decides rather than pressuring him, pushing him, I'm going to turn Turns. around and run away yes. and like look over my shoulder. The classic each buttock, way. buttocks defending. Yeah, and and then like and then like oh he's is he on my left? Is he on the right? And then Powell kind of goes past him and shoots to the near post that Lampson should have have covered. I mean, it was it was like a. It's not the first time he's done that either, though. I know. Yeah, he's been at the right place, but not being able to put. But it, so it was basically like a greatest hits, just just of of uh, Keystone Cops defending. It was. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. Also, well, working working back from from Lampson, um, the first goal he allowed in, or one, I think the first goal he allowed in New York, which happened to be the other game I've seen this year, 
Um, he was actually too far to his near post, and uh, the shot came across and, and buried in the far corner, the far uh, side netting. And this time, he was probably not close enough to his near post. Uh, and it was a strong shot. I think that people... I'm I'm not sure it's the guaranteed save that some people have have said it is, but he he definitely should have done better. He should have gotten closer to it. Um, as for Calvo, he was sort of defending like he thought Birch was going to catch up, which didn't happen. You know, he was sort of defending to contain, defending to uh, just just sort of take away the sort of space for a little through ball in behind because he's, you know, he's afraid if he steps up, then Powell sure, just sure. slips it into Valeri or someone else making a run in behind him. He was covering. You can understand why he was doing what he did. And once he had sort of committed to going back and it got into the box, then he really couldn't change course. He basically had to continue to, to play as he did. And, and Powell, you know, did him pretty dirty there. I, I, and then Birch at, at the beginning, I mean, his decision, he did not believe Powell was going to make an in, inside run. He thought he was going to f- force Powell to the outside, but he wasn't close enough to, to do that. And where Powell stopped, just took though, the space. was basically a, a yard or two off of the uh, the sideline, you know, the touchline. Right. So, so yeah. he, there was no way he could have pushed him wide. It was no. just, it was a series of things. And, and you know, We'll talk about we'll talk about this more, but I just want to remind everyone that after the game, yet again, Adrian Heath said it was about it was individual errors. You you had three errors, and none of them were catastrophic. I don't think Birch, Calvo, or Lampson were catastrophic errors in this, but it was combined bad defending. It was, it was the Voltron. <laughs> yeah, it's it, this isn't like um, you know uh, Ethan Finley when he gave up that PK, just making kind of a dumb mistake, right? Uh, this was this was three people kind of making mistakes that then were easily exploited by a good player. Yeah, by their was, fullback. Discipline mistakes. Their fullback discipline enough in the back to be able to yeah to communicate. I mean, I've said it before on this podcast. Birch' issue is that he doesn't put pressure on the wing. He functioned as a third center back for some weird reason. He likes to be pinched in towards the middle and leave all that space on the wing, whatever he's covering. Rarely does he come out and do that. Uh, I don't know why. That seems to be his fallback and what he does. But after, and we can go down once Manly comes in and we can assess that 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 part of the game. But this it's just been part of part of that. And no, and I'm at, and I'm at projecting and hating on Birch because I know he had a, a injury and he's recovering from an injury and he's coming back and trying to get his feet up. But at the same time. Well, it's I think the same his, issue. his feet yeah. are back down because I yeah, think he's back on injury now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're talking about Birch there. Yeah, um, just two, a couple minutes later, Birch is then uh, tucked in as a center back, you know, basically next to Calvo. I think it's because he was following Valeri in. Um, and Ibarra is tucked back, and this happened several times yep. that half. Ibarra is tucked back, playing, filling the, the role of a, of, of a left back, which, you know, I mean that's that's kind of asking a lot of a player, yeah. and Ibarra um, puts pressure on the ball. Ball uh, directs off of him, and then it goes. And um, Calvo tracks with Valeri, so Birch wasn't even en- ending up with anyone, and then doesn't put pressure on Valeri, and Valeri just kind of weirdly kicks the ball in. It, it was again uh, just. 
bad defending. Like positioning was wrong. And I have to believe that like, because Birch did this multiple times by tucking in, uh, that wasn't Birch making a mistake. That was Birch being directed to do that. That was the no. plan. I think that Birch, I, th- I mean, I'll, I'll, my theory is that, uh, and someone someone tweeted at me, I think during the game, and they said basically that that Birch, um, you can see what he wants to do, but he just doesn't. I don't think he has the legs to do it, and I think that he, I th- I think that his even with when he came to us last year. His defensive style was not really to challenge, but to contain. And I'm not—I frankly am not an expert on his career. I don't know if he's always played that way, but I—I—I I, I just think that his—I just—I do—I do not. And maybe it's a lingering injury. Maybe it's just the fact that he's 33 and has played a long, successful career in the league. I just don't think he has the legs to catch a player like Alvis Powell. Um, sure, sure, but on and I think second, that he's he's playing conservatively. I think because he knows that. I I I just I I look at that and I I have a hard time believing that that is by that that is not by design. That Ibarra is tucked back there by design. By that was the instructions from Heath. Uh, it's it's hard for me to imagine otherwise. If 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 no one knew that Birch was going to be tucked in, then yes, he should be probably. Uh, flayed or something like that. Uh, it just struck me as so weird, and you know, and then it was fixed later. But let, let's let's move on from those two goals. I'm always going for the greater conspiracy, man. You're like trying to like <laughs> yeah. Alex Jones this thing. Yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> Let me tell you about the, uh, the how the chemtrails in Portland uh, led to led to this tactics. <laughs> well, we're talking um, about a city that still doesn't have fluoride in their water. So yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Uh, so. There, there were kind of good moments as well. You know, um, Miguel, just a few minutes after the second goal is given up, uh, is, his goal is called offside by VAR. Um, it's probably the right call. I still don't think there's a good angle that definitively shows it, but it's, it's the right call. I love that setup. I, I put well, this in. The, just, the, the speed with, uh, with those guys. It was Quintero, Finley, and Ibarra working together, and mm-hmm. he, Quintero just has that... Cheeky little back heel, beautiful. Yeah, Finley picks it up, takes off, and Ibarra's right there. It was it was pretty, and it was fast. Like everything happened in like what, like two seconds. It was, it was probably awesome. the prettiest goal Minnesota has scored all year. You yeah. know, it wasn't a goal, but the right, whole right. sequence was absolutely beautiful. It was. It yeah. really was. And Ibarra almost had another goal uh, later that half uh, off a header. Birch, yeah, Birch yeah. sent in a, across. And uh, you know, Miguel sent a very good header in, and Gleason had a great a great save yeah. on it. Gleason had a, a couple of great saves. But we'll th- we'll talk about the not save that. The he- thing, <laughs> the thing is though, how, what do you have to do in order to give Ibarra to get a header in? I mean, like his stature wise. I mean, yeah. what defensively have you? He actually you does win a d- weird amount of headers. Yeah, for, he jumps for, for yeah, yeah, yeah. It was last was... year against Portland, in fact, right? The diver, the diving header, wasn't that the game? Oh, oh that yeah. was no. Colorado. Was that Colorado? The game winner. It was Portland, right? No, it was no, Colorado. It was Colorado. It was earlier. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The, I'll where, never forget the, that one. That, that was, was Batman's Batman Returns. Um, anything else in this first half you guys want to uh, bring up? I think that, you know, I, I know that you're, like, the thing about Heath's comments about individual mistakes, like, he's not wrong. Like He is. 
<laughs> but he, I don't think so. I don't. Well, I, let, let me say, like, for the for for ninety percent of the game, you know, for for like the team looks solid, and and with the right players, and we'll talk about the change that was made before the second half. The defense looks pretty solid, and it's just. Uh, I think about Calvo, for example, who's been sort of a factory of like weird mistakes this season. Um, and the way that he approached that Powell goal and then him, him, him reacting second to the deflection, you know, while guarding Valeri. And, and so I understand, I understand where Heath is coming from in a sense that these goals are coming out of really out of the thin, out of thin air. It's not like Portland, you know, took over the midfield, pressed the loons back, you know, or even that Portland had a, a counterattacking strategy that was catch. I mean, it was just like one mistake happens and then it's a, a just a cascade of errors and it happens so suddenly for the loons. But at the same time, it does keep happening, right? So that so it's not just flukes. We keep making these these dumb errors as a team and that is something that Heath has never really seemed to address. And uh, I, that's what I have to say about that, I guess. I just wanted to mention one, one quick thing before we go on to the second half. Uh, I know we're going to talk about Quintero and all that goodness. But in fact, my favorite moment of this entire match was in the 43rd minute when we had the uh, the Boxall Blanco crash. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought it was spectacular. Yeah. Somebody send me that meme, just make it a gif, do whatever. I want to, I want to, I want that all over the place. Uh, Blanco just tries to make, he makes his little pass and thinks he's going to make this run and just runs into the brick wall that is Boxall and just yeah. flies straight on his back. I mean, oh, beautiful. I mean, Blanco, I Blanco was, was gunning for Birch as well again. too. He was he was yeah. gunning for him. I mean the 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 Portland had basically like like we're salivating over Mark Birch all of that first half, um, and second half uh, things well, things changed. Yeah, you know, I mean, they, they I mean the first it. half Ibsen was absent. Schuler was actually playing somewhat decently. Sipson you know, absent for at least there were a couple times were, you, in you that can't first say half. He was he, he was better than Schuler. I, I caught a couple half, so. poor passes. He had a he had one pass that kind of curved off the side of his foot beyond the defender and landed for whether it was Christian or Finley. That was like spectacular. He had quite a few of those in the first right, half. Right, and then he, he, then kind he of gives gives the just, ball away after a throw in or yeah, passes yeah, the yeah. yeah, so like I didn't think he had a great game, but he did. There were a couple moments where uh, I was, was much better in the second half. I was half. like side of the uh, foot yeah. one, per usual. Um so let, let's let's talk about that second half. Yeah. Manly comes in for Birch, Tison goes to the left. Um this is where I have to, I start to have Schuler dispossessed. Schuler dispossessed. Schuler dispossessed. These Schuller are your notes. Yeah. <laughs> like the just whole, many... it just keeps going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um but that, you know, that that change at fullback, I mean, like, I, not to, like, toot my own horn, but I was, I think, tweeting in all caps before the game even started that Manly should have been starting. And from the, as you said, from the first minute, Portland just targeted Birch. That's, they didn't even bother to play through the yeah, left the wing, side. Yeah. They were just playing on their right against Minnesota's left. And that was... Like the entire first half, that they just raced to get the ball out there. And when Manley came in, I mean, Manley is not the finished article. He's he's 
you know, he's he's a rookie. He's a below-average MLS fullback. But that's because he's just starting out. And he what he does have is the legs. And he, and as soon as he came in... Oh, yeah, and, Rodrigo. And TSN moved to the right. Beat me to it. Yeah. Loon's defense just got way better because... The, the, there wasn't like a gaping hole on the left side of the, the of the Minnesota defense. Right. Yeah, I know. Uh, agreed. And you didn't have to then pull Ibarra back in order to cover for a space that that was you know left open. Um, Quintero, you know, he was hit and miss this game. He was when he was hitting, it was great. It was obvious that this was his first time playing yeah, with some of these start. guys. Um, he. But he like was came ready to play. He attempted that bicycle kick in yeah. the second half. Um, you know, and open then, goal, no less. Man. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Point. But it was, I mean, the angle that it was at, it was. Yeah, I know uh, that would have been crazy. <laughs> um, and so uh, let's see. Sixty fourth minute is finally when Minnesota came back. Uh, Quintero gets the, the ball at the corner of the box and just blows past Diego Chara and then Zarek Valentin and sends a ball to the far post and. Uh, Jackie Gleason uh, did, I mean, for as bad as we could say, whatever Lampson's uh, not not getting the near post, this was like really embarrassing. It basically just went right by his leg. Like it was one of those, yeah, it, it was a, some of the worst defending goalkeeping I've seen in a long time. It's, it's, it's weird when you're a goalie and, and you have your stance and mm-hmm. it's actually one of the hardest, like almost – you're not expecting to have to move your foot like a foot to the right for some some yeah. reason. It's not something you're always expecting to have to do. And it's really hard to get down low on something that's actually close to you. Um that said, it was a it was a howler. Uh he should have yeah. saved it. And and I and I just want to I want to touch upon something that people have been praising Quintero for his performance, which I agree with. I thought that he was really better than I expected and he he was he was like Ibsen except further forward, right? He was he was trying to make the kind of passes that we haven't seen a Minnesota player ever make, you know, really. He you know, trying to lob it over people to a non-rushing runner. I mean, he just had so many tools that that was mm-hmm. clear. Um that said, he didn't look always in sync with the team. Uh it mm-hmm. was his first game and I think that people have been harsh on Christian and have been very uh, forgiving towards Quintero because of the results. You know, Quintero scored and Christian didn't. But if I think about the shots that both generated in the game, I thought that Christian's sort of spin around kick was one of the, probably the best loons chance of the game, whereas Quintero had a shot that should have been saved, you know, and it went in, but he had a shot that should have been saved and he had uh, a, a wide open bicycle kick that would have gone into an open net, but he, he but he fluffed. So I just I think that both I think that both had a good game, um, but I do I feel like people have been sort of rating them differently based on purely what Jake Gleason did, which is out of their control. Once once you've taken the shot, you've taken the shot, and you can't help how the goalie plays with. it. Was was it raining throughout the whole game, Alex? It's a glimpse. Yes, of that I, but know, they have so, a roof okay, that covers the whole thing field. That's the other thing too. Is like if you're a goalie and Which you hit nice a ball low, yeah, hit a ball low, it, and it's and it's wet. It's it's one of those balls that 
yeah. it's very hard to, hard to try to even try to change direction in, in a wet field. I, I think Quintero true. played okay. Quintero played okay. There, there, there's, of course, as you p- pointed out, the cohesion, it, 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 it's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. I think the reason he came here because he could be that attacking force. He can be that driving player that's willing to go into that 18 box, make a couple moves, and take a quick shot. And that's what he did. Yeah. I think uh, his creativity, it, it's going to, it's going to improve. He was looking for Christian a lot of the times. On that header that <laughs> Christian missed, I don't. I didn't think yeah. Christian. I didn't think Christian knew the ball was coming to him, or like, or, or something like that could happen to him, where he could be wide open for a header. I think. Yeah. He was, and he was surprised and, and, that the ball was there. And Kintero uh, kicked it straight at where we were standing in the stadium, and so I had a good look at the angle that Kintero was, and I thought he was going to shoot it. I was stunned to see him try to hit it to the back post. And I think Christian was also a little bit surprised. And that split second of surprise is what cost him his goal. Yeah. We're starting to see the glimpses. I mean, between him and Ibarra and Finley, we already saw that. And Christian, there's, there's potential. Yeah. The, the, the worry is that not the worry toward the later in the second half, he started dropping deeper and deeper to try to make something happen, which is a problem, right? You, we needed him closer and closer. That's what we have an Ibsen for, right? You, you've got uh, Ibsen to help create, uh, do creative passing. You, then you've got, uh, yeah. Then you've got Quintero up further to help do that. Um, so that kind of, I think, uh, actually worked against the kind of uh, the comeback. Even though him dro- dropping deep and then putting that long ball in for Dunlady did lead to the second Minnesota goal. And in between those goals, uh, Alvis Powell should have had a red card. He should have had uh, given up a PK. Player and, of the week, Wes. I know, player of the week. Yep. Come on. And uh, <laughs> um, you know, and then there was also the the other Portland goal, which was Schuler just uh, heading the ball directly down to a Portland Portland oh, player so at, in midfield. And then there's a counter, but um, you know, the, it was a counter that like. Portland had a remarkable amount of like leisure on the ball. It was you a know, slow counterattack. It was Va- slow. Valeri's, like, Manly was just jogging back, and I was like, "What's going on here?" And Valeri's, you know, the ball goes up to Valeri. He's in the box, and he like looks around, makes a sandwich, <laughs> eats the sandwich, cleans the the crumbs off his like <laughs> grabs grabs beard. the dustpan, grabs the yeah yeah he takes just, a selfie yeah yeah exactly, and then like heads the ball down to Paredes. And Ibsen, during this whole thing, had no idea that Paredes was right behind him. Yeah. I know people are blaming Schuler because he tracked back. Schuler was trying to race back and, and correct his mistake. Ibsen's the other guy who should be there, who should have seen Paredes, did not, and was useless on it. So Paredes takes a shot. Adi uh, gets a, gets his body on the ball, and it goes in. Um, you know, uh, again, you can say... Uh, these are individual mistakes, but that's not an individual mistake. That is a problem with how the team is defending as a group. They're making multiple mistakes with each other, and uh, it, it's it's happened from day one uh, with with this group. And uh, it, it's not, you know, uh, after a while, you start to figure out, you know, it, there, there's got to be someone else to blame other than. The individual mistakes, but well, right before that happened, not to backtrack too much, but talking about individual mistakes on the attack, mm-hmm. right before that, you know where I'm going, Alex. Like 
It, it came right after we cross. had a huge chance. Exactly. Yes, this beautiful cross. And it bounces once, twice, three times. There are no loons in the box. Oh, well, that, wasn't, that, was, that was the chance where didn't Quintero pick it up at, like, at the end line and, and got it back. And, and, and like multiple people, everyone had made the same run. Quintero, Ramirez, and someone else had all made the same run. And there was nobody making a second run into the box. And then the, the great irony, of course, was in that the, the sort of gets sort of cycled back. You know, Schuler gives it away. And then where do the Timbers score? Via a second run, basically. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I also thought Quintero uh, fitness level towards the end was might have been one of the reasons that he was also playing back. Um, because he had pretty much the exact same play which he scored on and where he was a throw in from the wing to the box and instead of him making that quick turn like he did uh, he decided to hold on to the ball and that and, and, and just play it back so I, I was I was I was thinking well, was like well if it's worked for you once you're gonna do it until they uh, until uh, until they can figure it out how to stop you yeah. yeah and so I thought that might have been one of those things too I also that, thought that you know, I th- I thought that Ramirez leaving for Dunlady. I I understand why it happened, uh, and and Dunlady's substitution, you can argue, did pay off because he he was putting pressure on uh, the the Portland defender who who ended up hitting it into his own goal. That's what Dunlady offers that ball over the top. But I did think that when that happened, Quintero's role changed, and you basically you were basically then playing a four two three one. Instead of a four four two, because right, when right. it was a four four two to start the game with Ramirez, he was tasked with dropping back and holding up the ball. You know, uh, being almost uh, often a third person in midfield to allow uh, Ramir- uh, Ibsen or Schuler to pass out of trouble. You know, they give it to Ramirez. He leaves it for one of them, and then they try to find uh, Quintero or most often a winger with a through ball. That was a very successful combination for the Loons, and that involved, that didn't, Quintero wasn't asked to create until much further up the field when you're playing that way. But with right. Dinlati, he can't, he's not a hold-up player. He, he wants to be fed in behind, and that means Quintero has to drop deeper because the only players who are really capable of picking that pass are Ibsen and Quintero. So I, I, I do kind of think that that formational change, and, and, and Dunlady got like close to 30 minutes, I think. I do think that formational change all, and that change of players, uh, a change of personnel up top um, played a role in how Kundera was playing as well. Yeah. Um, I want to want to move on. Any, any final notes uh, about this? Do we talk about their disallowed goal? Yeah, we did mention that. Yeah, we? with the disallowed goals, I I, I want to say one final thing about um, you mentioned Calvo uh this season, he, I th- I think you could probably look back and see that he's probably to blame, like most like he ta- he shoulders most of the blame on probably half of our goals. Like I, I think that. It's not, I, I, oh, but then again, in the same game, you can see him make some really great interceptions. He, like he does so well, and then makes these 
just like blunders. Like yeah. he was he was the primary person responsible for both of our first two goals. Um and it's just like I don't know, it's very very frustrating to see from the captain of your defense. Somebody's asking for a Twitter mention. <laughs> I know. Well, Go yeah, after I know. him. No. Let me I, let I, me call one other person out for a really good defense. Uh, Jerome Tiasson twice yes, in that second you. half got beat, but he recovered with like crazy, like didn't look wise at the time, but worked out tackles. And you know you gotta. You, I had to tip my cap to that because I, he put out two fires that he had helped. You know he had sort of turned away as they were lit, and then he put them out quickly. And that was really impressive to see. I mean, those were amazing tackles that he made. Right. Now, and I think also Thiessen was uh, in the first half was playing more up, and he was feeding those balls into the box a lot when we were having those chances. And that changed, of course, when we had to switch uh, roles. But, I mean, I think him and Ibarra were, 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 were everywhere on that field a lot, covering, tracking back, trying to create, holding on to the ball. And, and, and it was – it, it looked like a – like. Like it was a competitive game. I have to give it that. But both teams had bad defending. Yeah. Yep. And both teams had fun attack. Uh, you know, Minnesota had probably more fun uh, <laughs> possession sequences. Although, uh, if I was a Portland fan, that uh, first Elvis Powell goal certainly looked fun for them. I'm sure. So, uh, I, w- I want to um, take a break here, but uh, Alex, let's let's kick it to rather than go into the music. You have uh, some audio you recorded from the Thorns match, right? Yep. Uh, tell me, just tell us briefly how how was the Thorns match? It was re- I mean, it, it was very fun. So you know, in the for the Timbers game, I got to stand with the Minnesota supporters, and then for the Thorns game, I sat right in the back of the Riveters, which is their supporters group, and. I mean, it was a, it was like a sellout. It was it was fantastic. Um, they were just brilliant supporters, and um, so I got I got some audio of uh, a goal when when the Thorns scored their their ult- what ultimately was the winning goal, um, and I got some audio of one of their one of their cheers uh, in which they sort of cheer one goal beyond once they were ahead by one, uh, and it was just it was so fun. It was great. I I, I was on the the streetcar. Um, on on the way to the game and uh, two a younger couple um, like a couple in their thirties came on decked out in in thorns gear and it, uh, a few stops later uh, an older couple came on and the guy was dressed in that the kind of like um, woodland hunter camo you know with the sort of branches and kind of brown uh, brown jacket and 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 his wife and they sat right behind this couple going to the thorns game. And then they started to have a conversation, and the the people who the older couple and the guy wearing the sort of hunting jacket who n- did not look at all like they were headed to a soccer game started talking about the season tickets that they had just bought to the Thorns and how excited they were. I mean, it it totally uh, threw off my my conception of of what what a soccer fan or what a soccer fan for the Thorns was going to look like. Uh, it was so exciting, and and just one talk more about this, but one, I thought one of the most impressive things about the whole Thorns thing was, I mean, it's in Providence Park. It's the same stadium as the Timbers. Um, and they do a, an incredible job of not 
making you have any idea that the Timbers play there. It is Thorns. It's a Thorns stadium. They don't hmm. sell Timbers gear at the game. They, uh, they don't... All of the Timbers banners are replaced by Thorns banners. And the branding is so brilliant because, you know, Portland has this identity as, as this uh, city in a forest, this, you know, sort of its old name of Stumptown. Uh, that's what the Timbers play off of. That's their brand. They're the, the forest green and the trees and all that kind of stuff. But the brand of the Thorns is the other half of Portland, this sort of Rose City nickname. And they go all in on that. And everyone's wearing red, uh, and which, which used to be the, the Timbers' uh, away color, the secondary color. I think that in, in, in the team name being PTFC for both teams, I think that the, the relationship between the two and the city is so clear and authentic, but they're different. And that really shows respect, I, I thought, to the Thorns as their own entity and their own totally independent team. I, I was... Everything about that game was so impressive, and I came away with my head just buzzing about how Minnesota could implement uh, an NWSL team, and and you know what it would be called, and what the branding would be like. It, it was just a, it was really inspiring to see, and it was a great game. What would it be called, Alex? What do you got? He's got opinions. I I couldn't really think of it. I just thought that the the only thing that has to be the case is that their nickname uh, has to be the Gray Ducks. But that's that's, what that's, I was that's, say. As far, <laughs> that's as far as I got. Yep, great Ducks. Yeah. All right, well, uh, we'll we'll be back with some Twitter questions. Back on the fifty-five-one podcast, I have to retake this because Rodrigo is is uh, berating Eric. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what else is new? Yeah, yeah. So it's so a Wednesday. <laughs> you, before we get to the Twitter questions, uh, you guys wanted to talk about Copa America Femenina. The yeah, the, the Women's Copa America. It's yeah. Taking, yeah. taking place in Chile. Little so. good segue there from the the thorns with with Alex. Yeah, yeah. The, the women's game. What stage is it in? They are going into quarterfinals. Quarter yep. Okay. Yeah. So. We're po- we're recording Wednesday, Thursday is the uh, quarterfinals. Is I Would believe it be quarter or semi? A semi, right? Semi, right? Yeah, teams. you're right. Semi. It's uh, yeah. Brazil versus Argentina and Colombia versus Chile. Those games are on Thursday. Yep. Yes, tomorrow. And and the thing that they've done for this uh, branding of this Copa America, all the games are Facebook Live. Yes, great. This, this is how I, I discovered last last week. I mean, I wanted to watch it anyway, and then boom, here it is. So I watched Bolivia and Ecuador and. Really got taken. Like the speed of play is excellent. It's very entertaining, very fast. Um, and then I stuck around. Brazil played Venezuela, and that <laughs> that was kind of a blowout. But I I was well, Venezuela came out strong at the beginning. Eh, it didn't last very long. I felt like <laughs> I, I, had, I had to feed my children, so I was like I was running, you know, heating up this and preparing that. And every time I got back to the table, I missed a Brazil goal. <laughs> there was a lot of goals. I think I, I think overall, I mean, uh, and this 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 goes to the the article that you sent out earlier. Oh about, yeah. Um, about how you know what the what the situation of a lot of the national team uh, yeah. members are like you know having to uh, go on strike, yeah. having to pay for their own equipment, having to pay be able to pay for their own training facilities, 
um, you mentioned it. it. It resembles a lot of what uh, what the women how how women's game uh, when their league was trying to build here, like playing in in, in poor conditions. That's right. Not being uh, seen as equals to their uh, male counterparts, and at the same time, even there was a point where like a lot of these national teams were ceasing to practice. Uh, what Rodrigo is referring to is an article by Brenda Elsie. It's at, at the Guardian. It's called "South America Women Rise Against Copa America." Rise again, not rise against. Sorry, rise again, Copa America Femenina. And then you can hear Brenda and Dave Zirin on Dave's podcast, Edge of Sports, edgeofsports.com. Both of whom are my friends. Dropping names. Watch out, name drop. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> fancy. All right. Um, so let's go to Twitter questions, um, which is we'll start here with uh, uh, Temple of Loon says fake questions. What do I have to do? Who do I have to kick to become MLS Player of the Week? And then real question. <laughs> uh, th- this is from uh, this is Rodrigo um, to you. Thoughts on uh, so Woodbury Soccer Club and Rev Soccer Club. The cutter Rev. Of, yep. Yeah, Woodbury is uh, Peter Rivard, former assistant coach from Minnesota, is the head of that. Um, Brian Coleman works for them. Uh, Rev is another. I know nothing about youth soccer, so they've merged. You, I think, have a negative take on on this. I do, or maybe not. I don't know. Um, here's do you, the thing: I don't know anything the, about the, youth soccer, so I the, just the way that the nation is is building to is to be able to create like these super club identities or. Mm-hmm. I, and so, um, from my own personal experience, like I, I knew that this was in the process. I just didn't know when it was going to happen. Um, my feeling is, um, I'm really interested in see how they're going to make this work. Uh, specifically, how coaching and it's going to be transferred from one entity to the other. What is the new entity that they're going to create? Because right now it's just still Woodbury and Dakota Rev, and then starting this fall. They're going to uh, start um, kind of merging and, and figuring out what that is. So I want to know what that 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 idea is. But it, it's something that it's, it's being talked around nationwide. Like there's there's certain there's certain states that have super clubs, uh, and that these type of mergers are are the start of that. How do I feel about it? Um, I think uh, to me, I'm just really curious in how they mm-hmm. make want to make it work, or how that, this is going to change the experience for the players and their families. Because I feel that all these clubs have to get the AOK or should get the AOK of something like this and inform their families that 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 are that are affected by this. Because they, it's them, it's the players who are going to be the ones that have to have to make these decisions. And so. Do mergers happen? Yes. Do I think that it's an up? It's an upcoming. It's a trend. Yes, I think it's trending. Do I do I feel yet um, how this is going to play out? I'm still I'm still um, I'm still deciding. I just want to see how how the process is because they have a 2018, you know, starting 2019. We'll see more and more what it looks like, and then you know it'd be interesting to be able to see what any other uh, youth. Uh, coach soccer members or club members that are out there listening to the podcast what their thoughts are as well as too because i i'm i'm still trying to process the whole thing and i'm still trying to learn more what what this merger really is going to become but a really good interesting question so um I, i'm gonna skip a few here and, and go to travis baxter says uh bring back tar and feathering in the case of mark birch uh <laughs> which i think he's being funny um but uh i, I think it's really 
interesting to see the way kind of no, this is not picking on Travis because everyone this week has been like Mark Birch should never be allowed to touch a soccer ball ever again. And it's like really interesting how like Mark Birch gets targeted for that and but not like Calvo. and not Calvo or any others. You know, the way that there's like this like selective like I mean I suggested that that Francisco Calvo shouldn't uh, shouldn't redirect anger at the media after uh, having his team lose and not put more than ten passes into the box and and like there were pearl clutching hysteric children uh, freaking out at me, but it's like like Mark Birch like look Mark Birch yeah you know what that should he should not have been in he obviously was not fit we obviously were having to work around him uh, yeah but like. Uh, he, he just, he made some mistakes. He, he obviously made mistakes in the games before. So has Calvo. So has, you know, Schuler and these other guys. And there are ways to like talk about our players and criticize what they're doing. That is like healthy. I know, and, but Travis is, is being funny here. So I'm not actually picking on. Uh, in Travis's addition to comment, that, there's, there's always questions about, well, why don't you switch Calvo out to the wing? Mm-hmm. Why don't you put Coleman into the, to the center back? And then what happens is when you do that, then you get rid of a a center back that can pass the ball out, has skill to be able to pass the ball out and, and, and do that. I mean, I, I, I would not want to put Boxell in that situation. I just no. Or Coleman in a situation where they have to be able to be aware and create. Um, so, yeah, so that's a... the. Um, th- and the other thing is, Alexi Gomez will not be available for this Sunday's match against Sounders. So we will. When is he coming in? I don't. Even I think know. he's in town this week. Now oh, Thursday, really? I think he gets to town. I think Andy Greeter wrote that. Um, so we, we don't. We don't really like. We won't see him this week. Likely, we will see Tison and Manly. I, I hope there's people with like uh, or Mears and Kikola waiting for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're both. Yeah, Mears is st- according to still recovering. So is Bird. So. Yeah, I, I don't know what what Mears' uh, updated status so is. So I'm but. I'm assuming we'll see what we saw at the second half of the Portland game, Manly yeah. and, and Yeah, and, so. and I mean the team you know Maximiano's over here at, at Wes's pad experimenting all the Kaipedians. Yeah, yeah. Oh, is exactly. that what's going yeah, on? Yeah, exactly. No wonder you guys are so happy when I watched it. I mean someone did ask a question about Maximiano. I have no idea. No yeah, one has no, no right. one has really had an update. I yeah. we he will like I think that we really want there to be uh, more players to play in there, but we still don't know if he's any good, guys. Yeah. I mean, we, could yeah. be... I, I posted something a little irate, and yeah. one of my buddies, uh, Fabi Zakariaka, Vasco supporter in Rio, and it just became basically he and I making fun of Fluminense and then yeah. being self-deprecating yeah, about yeah. our teams. <laughs> That's all yeah. I, yeah, I mean, uh, from what I've heard, it's, 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 it's a fitness issue, but I yeah. don't know. He's, he had his, uh, was it ACL tear or yeah, whatever, um, so yeah. and he's still re- recovering from that. And so, so I just we'll think see. people, you know, people want him. Sorry, yeah. go for it. No, I'm just saying Ish, Ish Jome has been, uh, just Jome has been spotted again <laughs> practicing with his team. So. He's not coming yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think people, I mean, people really want an instant fix, right? Right. Yes. Uh, and we've we've talked on this podcast about the importance of that central midfielder position. Uh, but even if Maximiliano is, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread, he's still going to need some time to acclimate into the league. I mean, it's the same with Quintero. You know, we need to be, we need to just be a little bit realistic about. And, and maybe he's not good, you know? That is also the case. Just because we haven't seen him 
means that we can sort of project our yeah. dreams for the player, yeah. you know, but he may not be well, good. The, the nice thing is, in the meanwhile, we do have Harrison Heath to hold down the stage. Oh, God. <laughs> so I want to finish. We're going to finish uh, oh, this one man. sending right to you, uh, Alex Schieferdecker. Kyle Olson asks, why is the Portland orange line its own color and not an extension of the yellow line? So I, I really wanted to know this. This was actually one of my top questions going to Portland so because if, yeah. if you... Who, who's, who among us yeah. isn't that? Fun? Well, I, I know that everyone wants... I'm glad you saved the best for last, really. The, the the orange line is the new line they built, and it is basically, it, if you look on the map, it should be very obvious that it, um, it fill it, it just takes up where the 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 previous yellow line, um, let leaves off, and the answer is the fact that they are basically the same line. It just changes the color midway through Port downtown Portland, and uh, the reason I was told that this was the case is politics dehydration. Uh, oh. politics. <laughs> uh, I think we should leave it at that. All right. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for sticking around for my pee jokes. Uh, Alex, it's good to have you back. Uh, um, uh, Eric Rodrigo, it's good to see you guys again. Thank you, listeners. Send us uh, any messages and, and questions and you know, wave hello. Yeah, uh, someone let us know when Alexi Gomez is, so we can go ahead and meet him at the st- meet him at the airport with a bunch of uh, Inca Cola or what else else we can we can yeah. bring out. <laughs> It'll just be just be you and your <laughs> Rodrigo's family with like with, with Eric Inca and the Cola. rest of the yeah. other people. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. All right, thank you, everyone. Take care.